0: You're listening to the Sojourn Montrose Podcast. For more sermons and content, visit sojournmontrose.org. Have you ever been the best man or the maid of honor at a wedding? I have been once for my brother, which is a default. Um, Actually, my brother and I are, are really close friends. He was my best man. I was his best man. Um... But if you've been the best man or the maid of honor, you pretty much have one job, right? It's to keep the groom or the bride happy. Um, and in keeping them happy, you're really you're really making sure that they are the center of attention. So if you're a groom's or if you're the best man, you're trying to keep the other groomsmen in line, right? Like, this isn't about you. This is about him and her. Um, and you're trying to help facilitate this beautiful day. Everything leads up to this beautiful day, the wedding day. A few weeks ago when Cole talked about this guy, John the Baptist, being born, we learned that this is a really, really, really important man, right? He's going to be born. Angels are coming to talk about his birth. Um, Elizabeth, his mother, was barren, and her womb is opened to bear John. Zechariah doubts for a moment, and he's made mute, actually, because of his doubt. And the, the angel tells them that their son will be named John. So, clearly, this guy is important. Much like a best man, he has a job to do. Much like a best man, it's an important job, but it's not the ultimate thing that has to get done. He's not the one whom the day is for on the wedding day, right? He, he plays a part, and it's a necessary part, but it's not the ultimate part. Like, if the best man doesn't show up, the wedding can kind of still go on. But it's really, really important that he's there. We really, really want him to be there. And he does something of a preparatory role. I know this analogy isn't perfect, but um, it gives us a sense of, of who John is. So let's look at the narrative of John's birth with this in mind, starting in verse 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son, and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. Remember, she was barren. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zachariah. This is his naming ceremony. They would have called him Zachariah after his father, but his mother said, no, he'll be called John. And they said, yeah, but none of your relatives are, are named John, so why would you, why would you do John? Um, and to Zechariah, who who is mute, he can't speak, but we also get a sense here that he's deaf, they make a sign to him and say, well, what do you want him to be named? Because he he allegedly hasn't heard this conversation happen. And John writes, or Zechariah writes, his name will be John. And they all wondered. And immediately, Zechariah's mouth is loosed, his... his mouth is opened, his tongue is loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear comes on all the neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all of the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him Right, so clearly a lot's going on here. On the eighth day, they come, um, the, the people from the temple come, and they circumcise John, which connects John and his family to the Jewish law, the Jewish custom, the Levitical law, um, which, which roots them in God's people. So they are part of God's people, the people of Israel. Um, and second, he is named the same name by his father and mother separately, allegedly is, is what we get, um, John, even though... How, why, where did they get John from? Well, the angel told them he will be named John. And people don't get it. Um, but Zechariah, who is deaf and mute, affirms it. And then, right when his mouth is open, he begins blessing God. And, and, because, and we're going to get to that blessing in a second. But because of all of this happening, there is a buzz in Judea. Right? In this whole hill country region. A child of prophecy has been born. His name is John, and they don't know, we don't know where he, they got that name from. He was born of barren Elizabeth. She never conceived, and yet now she has. His father was made mute one day, and then right when he named the son, he was no longer mute. Rejoicing is occurring because of these things, but the neighbors also have fear. They, they definitely revere God. But they're a little freaked out. Why? Because they sense that something is at play here. Some, someone is at work. And think back to that wedding you've been to, right? Or think back to any wedding you've been to. Hopefully, you've gotten there a bit early, maybe before the bride and the groom uh, say their vows. So, hopefully, you're there about 30 minutes early, and you might be chatting with the people around you or talking. Maybe there's cocktail hour or there's something before the ceremony, and then typically you see, or, or traditionally you'll see the groomsmen walk out, and chief among them is the best man. And if you hadn't ever been to a wedding, you might mistake the best man for the groom because he's almost in the middle, right? Like if the groom's supposed to be here, the best man's right here. But then the groom comes out, and you say, oh, that's, that's the real guy. This is kind of what's happening in Judea. The, the groomsmen, one of the best men, has walked out. And then the groom will come, and then the bride will come, but, but that's later. But what happens when the groomsmen come? There's a buzz. They say, Something's, when you're at a wedding and the groomsmen walk out, you say, Something's about to start. Something is coming. Look, they're coming. Shh. They're in position. There are rumbles in the chapel of the beginning of something beautiful, something miraculous. So this is what's happening in Judea. But who is John, right? What should the posture be toward John? Do they worship him? Should they worship him? Let's read his father's response to his son's birth. His father says this, The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we might be delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called prophet of the Most High. So who is Zechariah talking about here? If we, were, if we didn't have that last line I read, we might be confused and think he's talking about John. But he says all of that, and then presumably he turns to his son and says, and you, son will be prophet of the Most High. So, don't be confused, right? Zechariah, the father, at the birth of his son, which is a miracle, at the loosening of his tongue, which is a miracle, he speaks a blessing, a prophecy, but it's not about his son, He speaks about someone deeply linked and rooted in the story of God, right? Someone linked to the line of David, the revered king and servant of God. He speaks about someone linked to Abraham, the father of the people of God and Israel. He speaks about someone spoken by the prophets of old, someone who fulfills all of that. It's not his son. He speaks about someone merciful, someone who remembers a covenant of deliverance, someone we might serve and we might not fear, someone who will make us righteous and holy. Who is this? Someone, something is coming. The buzz, you get a sense the buzz reaches peak volume here. It almost feels as if all of creation starts to groan in anticipation. And then, let's, let's finish it up. Presumably, he turns to his own son, this infant John, and says this, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, and you will go before the Lord and prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. Whereby the sun shall rise, the the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. So Zechariah, John's father, says, My son, you will prepare the way for someone great. You, son, are someone who will play a role, but you're not the ultimate role. And the people who are hearing this, the, the buzz reaches volume because um, they're reminded of all those prophecies of old. And, and make no mistake, it's been hundreds of years since they've heard them, read them. This, let, let's read two of them. Um, this one from Isaiah, which was ret, written about 711 years prior to these events. Isaiah 60 says, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, a thick darkness the people's. And the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Right, So the people remember that prophecy, and they see what Zechariah says about the sunrise coming. The darkness clearing. And they think, that sounds a lot like what the people were saying 700 years ago. And then they think back to Malachi which is the most recent pro- prophecy, which is 400 years, 430 years about before these events. And Malachi 4.2 says, but for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings, and you'll go out like calves leaping from their stalls. So, make no mistake, th- this yearning, this anticipation, um, It's been longer than what we experienced leading up to Christmas as kids maybe, which is like Thanksgiving happens and then maybe 30 days and then you get gifts. This has been hundreds upon hundreds of years of generations, yearning, waiting, silence, and then a buzz. Angels start coming. Barren wombs start being open again. Tongues are muted and tongues are loosed. The stir has officially reached its peak here. Everything feels like it's on the cusp of changing. They feel it. They taste it. And here's the reality for the people of Israel. They... They have been historically waiting for this change. They've been stuck in a rut, to say the least, of bondage to other kingdoms and bondage of their own sin. They know the law of God, but they can't fulfill it. They know it in their minds, but their hearts can't fulfill it. They know they fail to love God and trust Him. It's been hundreds of years of silence. But they all wonder, when will this end? When will this change? When will it all be different? And we don't, I I don't typically um, like to make things too personal, but sometimes it's helpful, so I'll do it now. Have you, specifically you, been waiting for a change? Have you been stuck in a rut, to say the least? Do you feel like there is something more to the way you've been living Right? Do you feel like you should know something better or be better even? Do you feel like you've been waiting for your life to start? Or do you believe in your head that the Lord loves you and you hear it every Sunday, but in your heart you really can't get there? Maybe you haven't felt it in a long time. And maybe you watch the news or um, look at the world around us and you think, when will it all be different? When will it all be changed? When will it all be new? Because it doesn't feel that way. To you, Zechariah's words should ring with hope. And I'll paraphrase them. For you, because of the tender mercy of our God, I and we as a church bring you knowledge of salvation, the forgiveness of your sins whereby the sunrise shall visit you from on high to give light to you who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide you into the way of peace. Everything is about to be different for the people of God. John's job is to proclaim that. John will come with a message that everything is about to be different, but John isn't the one who makes it different. And possibly everything is about to be different for you but we proclaiming it can't make it different for you, but there is one who can. Here's the spoiler. All of this leads up to what we celebrate next week. On Christmas, we celebrate the pressure valve gets turned and we see the steam start to get released. It's not, it's not finished, but the wheels start turning on this plan of God that's been waited on for hundreds of years. The groom arrives at the wedding next week. That's what we celebrate. And on Christmas, um, we see the wheels start turning. Over 2019, we're going to spend uh, a few months reading through the gospel of Luke together. The good news according to Luke. And we're going to see the fulfillment of all that has been hoped for by the people of Israel. We'll see that Jesus is born We'll see that Jesus lives in perfect submission to God the Father as equally God and equally man. And we'll see that he goes and pays for our sin by dying on a cross, but he raises in victory on Easter Sunday from the grave. Jesus is the one who is the light that lifts the darkness he is the one which everything is, through which everything is different. The people of Israel looked forward to Him in anticipation, but we get to look back saying, peace came. You can look back historically, or you can look back in your own life as a believer and say, that's when peace came, and I don't necessarily feel it right now, maybe, and that's okay. Okay. It's okay if you don't feel it because this is the reality. We look back and say peace came, but we look forward in anticipation again because there is a time where he's coming back. The tension is already your sin has been paid for and forgiveness has been achieved for you who fear his name. And by fear I mean reverence. And the not yet is there is a day coming when it will all actually be made new. All of this will actually be complete. And we who believe will leap from our stalls like calves in spring. He will be ours and we will be his. Do you feel it? Do you feel the anticipation? Do you believe the anticipation? Do you feel that the world is broken? I don't know how you can't you feel that creation is groaning in anticipation? I don't know where we are in that timeline. I wish I did. But it's not important for me to know, so I don't. But I do feel the anticipation. Here's what I want us to get from this message as I wrap up. First, if you are not a follower of Jesus, if you don't know Jesus in a way that saves, My guess is that you're here in some part because you feel the darkness. And if you got invited and you're here because of that, then we want to welcome you. But at least you can agree with me on this, that the world is dark. The world is broken. Maybe in your life you see it and feel it. Maybe in your family's life you see it and feel it. Maybe just looking on the news you see it and feel it. But like Zechariah and like John... We are here to tell you and show you the one who this is really all about. We're here to show you and tell you about the one who actually redeems. We are here to point you toward and proclaim the son that rose with healing in his wings. He brings peace. His name is Jesus, and you'll find peace through him, I guarantee it. Second, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you know that the world is still broken you probably still feel the darkness. And this Christmas, you might feel more darkness than usual. If that's you, I'm here to tell you to take heart. He has made a way for peace for you now. He is the comforter, and he brings redemption. It flows from his word, and it flows from his spirit. He is coming back. So the anticipation might be more palpable to you in the dark season and that's a good thing because his power is made best in weakness and third all of us who follow Jesus have been invited to fulfill a role similar to John's not the same but a role similar in that we're not the celebrity this isn't about us even when John's born his father's talking about another John's going to pave, we're going to see how this kind of unfolds in the narrative. John's going to pave the way for Jesus. But he's a best man, he's not a groom. So my hope for myself as one of your pastors and for all of us this morning is that we would show people Jesus and get out of the way. That's our hope for 2019 with the Gospel of Luke, that you would see who Jesus is through a telling and we could get out of the way. We want to unleash the gospel, the story of who Jesus is and what he has done. That changes people. So I want to encourage you to be here for it. Let's hope that it changes us. Let's hope that it changes our neighbors. And as we move toward Christmas next week, some of you will be here, some of you might not, and that's okay, but my hope is that our hearts would start feeling that anticipation again. Like when I was a kid, Christmas Eve was the, one of the most fun nights of the year. Not because I got any gifts, I didn't. But the next morning I did. And so, Christmas Eve night, I was bursting with anticipation. But now as an adult, it's not really magical. It's not very exciting. But when I think of the people of Israel here and how much their hearts were exploding with anticipation when these things started to occur... To John and his family and to Mary and her family, I get a taste of that anticipation again. On this side of the cross, and given the state of our world and maybe our lives, I think it's good to feel that anticipation again. So, I want us to sit together in it. And to help us do that, we're going to do something that we usually don't do. Um, I'm going to play us a song. I'm not going to. Isaac's going to play us a song. Um, And we're going to listen to it together. And you can participate. It's a call and response um, that can help us uh, posture ourselves in anticipation. So I'm going to ask Zach to click through the slides when it gets going. um, And we'll listen to it together. And then I'll come back up and pray. And we'll take communion together.
1: Do you feel the world is broken? Feel the shadows deepen But do you know Glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst. It is. is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. is it Does the Spirit move among us? And does Jesus, our Messiah, hold forever those he loves? does. Does our God intend to dwell again? David's room.
0: With me, Jesus, you are worthy of all blessing and honor and glory, and you've saved us, and we feel. I feel the darkness and I feel the groaning, and I feel the sadness and brokenness, and I want you to come back, and I know you will. So Lord, as we, as we move towards Christmas next Tuesday, would we place ourselves in anticipation, place ourselves like the people of Israel waiting? Hoping, knowing, trusting, help us, and help us celebrate. No, things aren't all new yet, but they will be. No, we aren't dwelling with you eternally yet, but we will be. I pray for our people. I pray for myself. I pray for all of us that over this Christmas holiday, it wouldn't be marked by relational tension with our families or disappointment with gifts we did or didn't get. But that we could sit and say, Is he worthy? He is. He is. You are. You are. You are worthy, Lord. We praise you. We glorify your name. We love you.
1: We pray all this in your name. Amen.